Amen. Amen. Who's the man? Jesus. We want to say, what's happening, North County? How y'all doing? Amen. We want to give a shout out to all the campuses. We are in North County, Rock North County campus. They are on fire, fire up here. Want to say what's happening in uh, Point Loma? I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> San Cedro, uh, East County, and soon to be City Heights. I know you're not there yet, but we're going to say hi to you anyway. And all the people watching online, all our microsites, what's happening, how y'all doing? We're very excited to be up here. This is where our multi-site ministry started. It was right up here in North County, I don't know how many years ago, and it is kicking strong. Amen. Amen. And five, I don't know I mean, how many years ago it was. You know how many years ago? Five years ago. And it's the first time I was, I've been here speaking. We have all the technology. We still don't really have all the technology, but we're here anyway making it happen. So we're very excited about it. Let's all get on our knees and pray and get this party started. Ooh. Careful, mama. <laughs> we got pregnant ladies in here again. We don't want to break anything. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for uh, our church all over San Diego taking territory for the kingdom of God. We thank you for all the souls that have been being saved, all the lives that are being transformed, all the people being healed, all the people who are being served, blessed. Most of all, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose from the dead for our sin. Thank you so much, God. Thank you that you know everything about every person in all our campuses, all our microsites, watching online. You know all of our junk, and we all have it, and you love us anyway. Love covers a multitude of sin. I pray that we can love like you. And we can encourage like you, that we can overlook people's faults like you overlook ours. Give us that heart. Give us a heart that you would be proud of, that when people encounter people from our family, they would be encountering Jesus himself. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody a high five, a hug when you get up. Amen. Amen. So it is good to be here in North County Church. Uh, I'm so happy. I just want to, uh, as all the campuses are watching, just be patient with me for a minute. I just want to give a shout out to Pastor Jason and his yeah. wife, Carissa. Amen. And, and all the staff here, uh, all the campuses we have, we follow the same sermons. We, uh, they watch the sermons every Sunday. They have worship, volunteers, and everything. Uh, that we have in Point Loma and all the campuses do the same thing. And we're just thankful for the unity of the leadership and, and just the clarity of vision that they give all their churches. And uh, we're thankful for all the people around San Diego. People I've never seen in my life in person, but they go to the church. And, and thank you for following Jesus and not following a man. That's so, so important. Amen? Amen. Amen? I don't want you following me. Trust me. I want you to follow Jesus. If I'm following him, you follow me through him uh, or him through me, however you want to say it. But uh, thank you for keeping your eyes on Jesus. And thank you, East County, for being faithful, San Isidro for being faithful, and Point Loma for being faithful. Uh, you've been hearing about the All In Campaign. October 11th, we're starting a new series called the All In Campaign. 
and it is designed to get all in. We want to get all invested and involved in the mission of the Rock Church. Uh, we actually filmed a six-week curriculum. I filmed a six-week curriculum for the small groups. We want to start 300 small groups uh, and get everybody in the church in small groups. All in. Everybody say all in. So I want to encourage you, I want to put a number on the screen. If you would like to host a small life group or you just want to get some of your friends together and go through the curriculum, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, you just want to, <laughs> it's just a nice way of saying it. We want you to text, text host to 52525. You can't forget that. Five, everyone say 52525. Five, say it by yourself. And you're going to te text host. And all that means, we're going to give you the curriculum. It's already filmed. We're going to give you the whole written materials. And all you got to do is get a few friends together. We've already filmed it. We filmed it already. It's already done. And we're going to get it to you. And you're going to go through it all. We want the whole church to go through it together. Amen? Amen. Amen. You'll be hearing about that every week. That's very important. Okay. Let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles on three. Say word. One, two, three. Say word. Very good. Let's turn to uh, Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32. Second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus 32. Before we started the Rock Church, I was a youth pastor and um, youth evangelist which I somewhat can still consider myself. And I was going to juvenile hall here in San Diego uh, pretty much on a regular basis for a period of time. My wife, my wife, when she was pregnant with our first child, we were going in every week together. We were going to the uh, uh, girls' unit in there. Uh, but this one particular time I went in to see this kid, a little white kid, a little white supremacist, he you know, had, had all that in his head. And they said, look, can you come and see this kid? I was a regular in there. And they figured, let me go. They just said, can you come see him? So I said, oh, I'll go in there and see him. So I went in there and and started talking to him. He was telling me about his dad and how his dad beat him and all this kind of stuff. But he was a little white supremacist. And so we're talking, 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 and then something, I don't remember what was all said to make him start calling me the N-word and yelling at me. Get out of here, blah, 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 blah. And if you've ever been to juvenile hall, it's all these hallways with cells, and it's all concrete and steel. So when you yell, it just echoes. And it's really sad because you really have no... If you've got all these kids in all these cells and one kid starts making noise, everybody hears it. It's just a, uh, just a jail's a very unhealthy place. So I'm, he's yelling at me, get out of here, cursing at me, cursing me, calling me the N-word. And I walk down the hall and I can hear him all the way until I get out. And I walk past the middle area of where all the uh, staff were at work, which I knew. And they were like, you know, we'll probably never see him again. And I was thinking, that kid needs God. That kid needs God, and who's the best person to give him? Me. <laughs> because if I don't go back, right, I prove that his words are bigger than my love. And his hate is bigger than my love. So I went back, and he got saved. Today, we've been, we, we, we've been, we started this series called Fight Club. Everyone say Fight Club. And we've been talking about fighting for what's right. Everyone say Fight. A fight is a confrontation. A lot of times in our Christian walk, we don't fight. We just do what comes easy. Today, I want to talk about fighting for the souls of people who don't want God. That there are people in your life right now that you know 
They're not not Christian. They don't want God. There's a difference. You have, you have people in your life who go to church kind of, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they, they never really accepted the Lord, and, and they want to be a good person. They ex- acknowledge God, but they're not really living for God. Then you have people who are Christian. You have people in your family. You have people in your family who you have a spat with, but then you've got people who say, I don't want to have anything to do with God. They're, they're, they're pushing God away, actively pushing. They're not even trying to fake it. And you don't like, they don't like you. I want to talk about fighting for those people. Now, the reason I use the extreme, because if you can, if you can have the heart to fight for them, everybody else is easy. You know, Jesus said, if you loving your friend, that's nothing. Anybody, even people who don't know God do that. He said, what about loving your enemy? And so I want to challenge you as we're talking today to be be thinking about who in my life do I know that doesn't want to have anything to do with God and do I have a heart and a passion and a desire to fight for them? Because if you don't, why? Because Jesus fought for you. When you were not thinking about God, as a matter of fact, the Bible says when we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us in Romans 5.8. When you were a God hater, Jesus died on the cross. He says, man, I one day they'll see, so I'm going to die and suffer. Okay, a couple of definitions. One, fight. Uh, uh, fight. We want to prayerfully plead for the souls of those who reject God. This is a big order that, I, that you would be challenged and you would say, Lord, I am going to give passion. I'm going to passionately, persistently plead. Everyone say plead. plead. For the souls of people who reject God. They're on TV. They're in your neighborhood. They're at your job. They curse your God. They curse your church. They curse your Bible. They use your God's name in vain. That you would plead for them. Your evangelistic fight, your evangelistic passion. This is my opinion. When a church loses its evangelistic passion, it goes from being a church to a seminary. If you ever go to a church and all they want to do, and you may come from a church like this, or you may have in your mind, this is the kind of church you want this to be, that you just want to come and be comfortable, get some information so you can go home and have information and maybe go argue with somebody, that's not church. We have to be equipped to go spread the love of Christ so people can know him. And there's a difference because God hasn't called you to win arguments. He calls you to win souls. And the Holy Spirit transforms souls. And you don't win it by argument. You win it by loving people. And pleading for people. Can I get an amen? amen? And so my, my challenge to you today is to read this story. I want you to think about, do I have any evangelistic passion for people who don't know God, who don't want to know God? Or when I see them, do I start thinking critical thoughts in my mind about them? Because there's no person on earth that you should ever go, man, they're messed up. Da, 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 da. It's versus saying, they need God. And how can I at least pray for them? And by the way, you should never, ever pray for anybody or anything that you're not willing to be used in the answer. Oh, oh, oh. I'll say that slow because some of y'all just got to, some of y'all got to, hmm, make them want to go, hmm. Dear God, I pray you help that homeless person. And, and God, if you want to use me, I'm good. I pray you help that whatever. If you want to use me, I'm good. You can't ever say, Lord, they need help. I ain't going over there. That ain't, yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. You got to go, Lord, I'm available. Because sometimes, you know, God uses the foolish to confound the wise. Sometimes God's most powerful tool is the most unlikely tool. 
Because if you go up, man, people look at you, you? You're going to try to talk to me? Yup. <laughs> there was, a, there was a, uh, a rap group called Christian MCs. We used to do stuff together like 20 years ago, and they were Samoan brothers, and, 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 and um, uh, they were some big dudes. <laughs> 300 something each, big ponytails, just ginormous dudes. And they had smooth, you ever notice how Samoans just got smooth voice like that? <laughs> they just got silk, and they're real laid back. What's up, man? <laughs> To me, Samoan means Samoan Negro. That's all that means. Just, uh, they just <laughs> don't repeat that, okay? <laughs> so Christian MCs, well, they were walking. They told me the story how they got saved. They were walking down Santa Monica in Santa Monica, and they're from L.A. They were from L.A. And again, big dude, 6'3", 6'2", 300-something pounds. And this little tiny, how they explain it, this little tiny white dude compared to them, so he's probably about my size, came, <laughs> came and got and stood in front of them. Wouldn't let them walk down uh, on the sidewalk and said, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And they said, what? And they, they went to go around the little dude, and the dude stepped in front of him. <laughs> and he grabbed the track and threw it on the ground, and he said, that dude led them to the Lord. Because it's like, you must know God, <laughs> because you get ready to go meet God. <laughs> The Bible character I want to talk about today is Moses. Everyone say Moses. Moses was 80 years old when he started ministry. 80. Anybody here 80? Eight? Is anybody in here 80? Someone here is 80? You're, you're 80? How? 80 what? 80. <laughs> in four months? Four months ago. You look fabulous for 80. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Moses was born in Pharaoh's home, born and raised by Pharaoh. He's born, in, not in Pharaoh's home, but he's raised by Pharaoh for 40 years. Then he killed somebody. Then he was a fugitive for 40 years, a shepherd. He ran and became a shepherd. At 80, he has the burning bush experience. And God says, I want you to go back to Egypt and, let, and, and talk to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. So make a long story short, he ends up going back to Pharaoh. He, he calls down 10 plagues from the sky, and the, the water becomes blood. They got gnats, they got frogs, they got darkness and locusts and all the stuff that he calls out of, out of about a two-and-a-half-year period. And then the people leave, two-and-a-half two million Jews supernaturally leave. Moses was on a, an evangelistic uh, 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 journey. He was saving a bunch of people so he could introduce them to God. What Moses did was evangelistic. He said, yeah, two and a half people, they kind of heard about God. They didn't know God. They didn't know anything about God. They were slaves. They didn't know about God. And he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, y'all know those dudes? Yeah, we know. He, he sent me. Okay, what, what's this? who's that? We don't know. And he said, we're going to go out and we're going we're, we're to deliver you from slavery. They said, okay, we don't like slavery, so we'll go. But they didn't know God. And he was on this journey to try to convince these people and introduce God to them. And all throughout the journey, they kept complaining. We didn't have water. I didn't have water. Moses hits the rock, you know, speaks to the rock. I actually hit the rock. Water came out the rock. That's pretty cool. Water will come out of a rock. We don't have any bread. Manna comes out of the sky. We don't have any meat. Quail come out of the sky. We don't like your leadership. Oh. <laughs> you can have it. God opened up the earth and swallowed the people who complained against his leadership. He said, don't mess with my man, Moses. 
every time they complained, Moses prayed for them. Every time they complained, Moses would get on his face and pray for them. He pleaded for them. They said, we don't, we, don't, we don't know about this God. As a matter of fact, we'll get to that point in, in, in a minute. But every time they complain about God and why is God doing this? Why did God take us out of Egypt? We liked it better in slavery. We liked it better in slavery. We don't want to be out here free. And every time they complained about God or complained about Moses or complained, or complained about God, and God says, I want to kill him, Moses says, please don't kill him. He pleaded for them. I wonder how much often you are pleading for people. Or do you feel like we're the believers over here? We're the church people over here, and they're over there. Because we live in a culture that is becoming anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christian. You are a bigot. You are narrow-minded. You are a hater. You know that more and more and more. If you say, I'm a Christian, oh, yeah, yeah, we know about y'all. Like, it's open season. And instead of saying, no, we're going to fight you, no, we're going to love you no matter what. Two weeks ago when we started the series, we talked about um, uh, Jacob was praying, holding on to Jesus, and Jesus touched the socket of his hip. Imagine the socket of your hip being out of joint, and, and Jesus said, let go, stop, stop holding on to me. And he says, no. Even though it hurt him, he still wouldn't let go. You have to fight. And that there are people in your life that God sent into your life so you could be the light in, the, in their world. Forget being the light of the world. I mean, of course, Jesus is the light of the world, but he says, we are, we are lights in the dark place. Be a light in one person's life. Your neighbor, you are the light. They're looking at you. Hey, what do you think about that thing in the news? What do you think about, you know, the the, the Supreme Court thing? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? They want to see. What are you going to do? How are you going to speak? How are you going to represent Christ? Are you going to be critical? Are you going to be self-righteous? Are you going to be judgmental? Or are you going to be biblically loving and forgiving and encouraging? Are you going to plead for their soul? So in this story, Moses goes up to the mountain. He fasts 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. I fasted 40 days and 40 nights three times. It is possible. Matter of fact, years ago when I first heard of people in in our time doing fasting 40 days and 40 nights, I was tripping that it was even possible. I thought only Moses and Jesus did that stuff, that it was some kind of, you know, supernatural thing. It's supernatural, but you can do it. So Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and while he was up on the mountain, the people said, he's taking too long. Where's he at? Because on the mountain were thundering and lightning. And that brother is dead. He, he ain't got no food. He ain't got no water. We know he did. There's smoke coming off the mountain. There's lightning on the mountain. There's a whole lot of thunder on the mountain. There's no way he is still alive. So they said, we have to make a God that we can worship because people want to worship God. They said, we have to make a God. Everybody you know wants to worship a God. No, let me say that. Everybody you know does worship a God. They worship their money, they worship their good looks, they worship their house, they worship their job, they worship their fun, they worship their sex, they worship their cars, they worship something. So these people said, we need a God. So Moses' brother, his brother, (laughs) said, why don't you give me your earrings? And they put it in the fire, and all of a sudden they made a calf. And he said, that's the God that brought you out of Egypt. Please. (laughs) You just made that thing. Now, understand, when they came out of Egypt, they saw miracles. They saw a pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke lead them by day and night for years. And now they're going to say, that calf did it. You know, God has done stuff in your life that you know no one else could have done. 
and yet you would give credit to something else. You give credit to your job, you give credit to your friends, you give credit to your money, give credit to your good looks, to your education, to your contacts, to your wisdom. And God's saying, I did that. I did that. So the, the, the calf comes out, and they're down there going, oh, look at the calf. They're, they're playing. They go to sleep. And look at this. is our God. This is our God. We don't know about that Moses guy. This is our God. And Moses is up on the mountain. And God says to Moses, Moses, you need to get down there because those people are tripping. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. <laughs> Genesis chapter, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32, it says, verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, get, go get down. So he started dancing. No, I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> go get down for your people whom you brought out of Egypt. Have corrupted themselves. A lot, it's funny how God speaks sometimes. Sometimes they say they're his people, and sometimes they say, Moses, those are your people. <laughs> I have nothing to do with these fools anymore. And it says, verse 8, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, and they have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And this is saying, this is our God. Oh, Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. How many say amen if that is ridiculous? Amen. So what is it that you worship that says, this is my God? What is it that you look to for peace, security, whether it be your, your boyfriend, your spouse, your job, your retirement, that if you look to that, as your security, you are doing the exact same thing they do. Now, let's forget you for a minute. There's people in your life who absolutely, they don't know God in heaven. They only know things. And they look to those things. Right now, the stock market is kind of going crazy. People are tripping because that's some people's God. They're tripping. That's not a God. It's a false God. It's not going to speak to you. It's going to come and go. Is that the women of people you don't even know? That's not God, but that's all they have. So these people said, that's the God that brought us out. It's a lie. And then it says, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. Now, I want you to think about what God is saying to Moses. Him and Moses were friends, by the way. They, they spoke. He says, Moses, here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> We're going to make it like a theological statement. No, I'm just going to kill him. I'm just going to, and they're going to be going, how about that? Now, me and God haven't had, had a direct conversation with God about this, uh, but I just believe God was saying, I want to see what Moses is going to do. You know, sometimes God will show you people in your life that are on a path of destruction. If they keep doing what they're going to do, they're going to ruin their marriage, they're going to ruin their, their life, they're going to ruin their health, they're going to, go to, they're going to die and go to hell. And God shows that to you. He says, if that person keeps doing that, here's what's going to happen. If you, give me a perfect example. If you put your hand on hot oven, you burn. Yeah. 
It's just it's going to happen. It's not that God's going to do it. That's just what happens when you turn against God or you do the wrong thing. God is going to show you and, and probably is showing you somebody in your life right now whose life is going the wrong way, and he's showing it to you. And he wants to know what you're going to do. Are you just going to go, man, they messed up. Are you just going to talk about them? Oh, you know, they're going to do this, and that's going to happen, and that, that ain't going to work out because it never works. And you start quoting scripture to condemn them. We all, show of hands, how many of y'all know Christians like that? Mm -hmm. Y'all like, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> just did that driving up here about that vest Miles had on. I don't know. <laughs> Look what Moses did. Moses said in verse 11, Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn your face, dear God, from the wrath and relent from this harm uh, to, to harm your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said, I will multiply your descendants as, as the stars in heaven and all the land that I have spoken of, I will give to your descendants that they shall inherit it forever. Here, now, again, here's God saying, Moses, I'm going to kill them all. See what he's going to do. I'll, this is, I'm, I'm gonna play God for a minute. I mean, it's just a, it's just a skit. Jesus, let's see what he's gonna do. You think he's gonna you think he's gonna pray for him? You think he's gonna turn on him? You think he really cares? Think he's gonna put his life on the line for those people? He knows I'm right. What do you think he's gonna do? I don't know. He pleaded before, so maybe he's gonna plead again. God's watching you. There's people in your life. He's wondering what you're gonna do. And you see people. In your world, forget the people on TV that you don't know. Forget the people you know on the radio you don't know. Those two. But what about the people you do know that hate God, that hate you, and hate your church, hate your Jesus? God wants to see what you're going to do. All, the Bible says the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. That's coming from a heart, a dark heart. That's coming from a heart that doesn't know God. That's coming from people who have a wrong perception of who God is. And God has given you and I the ministry to be the intercessor, the mediator, to stand in the gap so they can know what Jesus looks like and hear the gospel. And you notes, it says, you've got to press on, prayerfully pursue the understanding and fulfillment as one who stands in the gap for others. You need to understand and fight for you to understand your role as someone who stands in the gap for other people. You are not the person who got saved and now I'm in. I hope they figure it out. No, I'm in. Now I'm standing in the gap for the people. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Everyone say ambassadors. As though God were pleading. Everyone say pleading. Through us. God is pleading through you. Whenever you see a preacher start yelling, most of the time, most of the time, sometimes they're just yelling because they yell, but most of the time it's because God is pleading through them. He's like, please understand that God is, he, he loves you, he cares for you, he wants to forgive you of your sin. You have to understand he's not bad, he's not your enemy, he didn't do all that bad stuff to you. It says here, we are ambassadors for Christ. I am an ambassador, I represent the kingdom of God. 
I represent the kingdom of God, and God is pleading through me to help you understand that he loves you. That I want to make that introduction. That's my job. By the way, that's all of our roles and responsibilities. Now, I may do a full-time, fine, but we still all have to do it. Just because you don't have a gift of evangelism doesn't mean you're not supposed to share your faith. Just like just because you don't have a gift of prayer doesn't mean you're supposed to pray. Just because you don't have the gift of faith doesn't mean you're supposed to act faith. You, all, we all have to express faith whether you have the gift or not. So we all have to share our faith. And so it says that we are ambassadors as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is our role. This is what we have to fight for. That when you're seeing people who are enemies of God, that you say, Lord, I pray for them. Lord, what do you want me to do for them? How do you want me to encourage them? Do you want me to share my faith with them? And it says also that you would... I'm looking for my notes. That with passion, you would pray to destroy the idol of selfishness. When you think of yourself, as this is all about me, my reputation, me not looking bad, me not being in an uncomfortable situation. If that's your bubble, you will not do this. You got to get over that. The devil has put in your head, you don't want to be in an uncomfortable situation. The devil's put in your head. You don't want to be called out. You don't want to maybe have to answer a question or get asked a question you might not answer. You're going to look bad. you got to get that out of your head. You can't look on your own interest but on the interests of other people. Amen? Amen? And lastly, you have to persist. There are people in your world that are going to die and go to hell. There are people in your world who are completely blinded to the love of God. They think it's about religion. Now they think religion is haters, and they think it's all about me. Get, get mine and do whatever you want, and they believe that, and they believe God and the Bible are haters when God actually loves them so much that he died on the cross, but they haven't seen that. They haven't seen that lived out in a person. They just hear rules and condemnation, and you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. When Jesus said, that's not what I'm about. I'm about you can have peace with God. You can be full of love. You can be forgiven. You can know your purpose. You can live forever. That's what I'm about, but he doesn't see that. People don't see that. And so my, my challenge to you in a minute, we're going to pray. My challenge to you is twofold. One, for all of you who do know God, is that you would think of somebody in your life whose soul you need to plead for. Someone who does not know him. And what God's going to do is unite your heart with their heart. And help you see life from their perspective and, and have compassion for them and, 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 and sensitivity for them. And start to say, Lord, I get it. And God's going to unite you with them and he's going to bring them right into your face. And he's going to say, what are you going to do about it? Don't run. Because if we run, we're just school. We're just Bible school. Learn information. That's not what this is. You go to Bible school, go pay and do that. We want to come here and lay our life down so people can get saved. Because before all y'all knew God, all you campuses out there, East County and Point Loma, San Ysidro, before you knew God, you were a God hater. And somebody was praying for you. And somebody shared the gospel with you. 
with all their heart, and somebody, God, died for you and said, listen, I don't care what you have done. I laid my life on the line for you even when you were hating me. Now I want you to go do the same thing. Before we pray, I want to show you what's on the back of your lesson plan. Just turn to the back real quick. Turn to the back. Here's my challenge to you in your prayers. One, I want you to, it says, I'm praying, I'm going to fight in prayer for blank. I want you to think about one person, just one, that doesn't know God that you would start praying for. And I'm going to tell you, if you pray for this person every day, something's going to happen in your heart. God's going to start giving you a love for them, an understanding and perspective of them you've never had. He's going to give you a patience with them, a a, a passion for them, uh, and he's going to start to connect your heart with their heart. And then you're going to get, he's going to start to challenge you to call them and invite them to church or whatever he's going to do, but he's going to bring you closer to them. The whole point is that you grow in your faith and that they come to know him. Now, if you say, I want you to, this is, this is a, a little wake-up call for you. If you find yourself saying, I don't want to do that, that is not the Spirit of God. That's you. If you start saying, I don't want to do that, God's going to say, well, 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 so how is it you, this is God, how is it that you could say you love me that you can't see, but then you say you hate him who you can see? How do how, how you do that? I want you to start thinking of one person, one person that you know that does not know God. And if you don't, if you don't know anybody who doesn't know God, well, that's a whole nother problem. Because <laughs> you need to know people who don't know God. But if for some reason you don't think you don't know anybody who know God, just call your family up and say, hey, do you know God? You'll find somebody. <laughs> You'll find somebody. And if you still haven't found somebody, just pick somebody on TV. If you find yourself going to that length, you've you, you got a bigger problem than, than, than Jesus. Okay, I'm going to fight for prayer. And then it says, I'm going to affirm that I am an intercessor or mediator. In other words, I am here to be an ambassador for the living God. That's who I am. You are that. That's not an option. And then you're also going to pray I affirm that I reject the lie that I am <laughs> all about me. It's all about you. It ain't all about you. God wants to transform your life. And then I want you to pray, and they won't stop praying until they get saved. There have been people who got prayed for for decades and got saved because someone kept praying. And by the way, if you pray, you have to make yourself available for the answer. So when you say, God, I pray so-and-so gets saved, you might as well just say, and I'm available. God, I pray so-and-so will get saved, and if, I'm av- and, if I, and, if, and if you want me to be a part of it, I'm available. So if you've got a movie star you want to meet, dear God, I pray that they'll be saved, and please use me. <laughs> the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ died on the cross for everybody's sin. That when he looked out on the world, he saw all sinners. And he says, if any of those people would ask me to forgive them of their sin, I would say yes. That's how much love he has. And you may look at someone else and say, that guy's messed up. His sin is probably not that much different than yours. 
Well, he killed all those people. The Bible, Jesus said, if you hate in your heart, you've committed murder. So he says, let's stop comparing because we're all doomed. And so when he died, he died for all sin. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says, if anybody will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart, God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. And so if any of you here today, any of you in Point Loma, East County, online, San Cedro, at one of our microsites, wherever you are, if you realize, you know what, I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned. And the Bible says the penalty of sin is death, physical and spiritual death. If you believe that's you, and you would like to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. I am pleading on your behalf. That you would trust that God loves you, knows who you are, and wants to forgive you of your sin. I'm pleading with you to give God a chance. You've given pornography a chance. You've given drugs and alcohol a chance. You've given making money a chance. You've given buying things and shopping until you drop a chance, and it doesn't satisfy. You're still empty. That's why you're listening. Give Jesus a chance. And that you would say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. So in a minute, we're going to pray in all the campuses, and I want to challenge you to right now, all the campuses and all online, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, we are fighting for your soul right now. If you believe that you are a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead, and you would like to ask him to forgive you of your sin, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner, and I believe that my sin is wrong, and that the penalty is death. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin that he rose from the dead and that he loves me. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart and be my savior. Thank you for dying for me. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. And you may say, you know, I've been to church for years. I've been baptized or oh, whatever, but you never really gave your life to Jesus. It was all religion, or you maybe not knew exactly what you were doing. But right now, you know, I am giving my life to Jesus. I am clear about what I'm doing. If that's you, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to stand up. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my father. In other words, if you can't stand and live in public for me, how am I going to represent you before my father? I need you to represent me right where you are. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. I don't want you to worry about who's to your left or to your right. By the way, the people to your left and to your right are your family. So you shouldn't worry about anything. This is the safest place to do this. So right now, on the count of three, if you pray that prayer to ask Christ to be your Savior, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to stand up wherever you are, and whatever campus you're in, there's somebody there that's going to pray with you. They'll tell you what to do next. So when I count to three, just stand up. One, two, three. Just stand to your feet if you prayed that prayer. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. Stay standing. God bless you. 
Very good. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now I'm going to ask all y'all who are standing here in North County, in a minute I'm going to ask you to come down to the altar. And when they do that, all of us are going to cheer and encourage them. So if you're standing up, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar, and let's give them a hand as they come on down. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. 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 Amen. Amen. Very briefly, I know it's uncomfortable coming here in front of all these people that don't know you, but this is family. Can I get amen? amen. We are all very happy for you. And very most the number one important thing to know is that you did not join this church. You join the family of God. Amen. And we are part of that family. Amen. And we want to we help you in your journey with the Lord. It's a relationship, not a religion. And so we want to help you in that. We're going to pray for you in a minute. Then we, we lead them this way, right here. And then, uh, and then Pastor will come out. Lord, thank you so much for the courage of these people to come forward. Thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, you are so good to us. And we pray for a supernatural transformation in these people's lives. Lord, I pray we will be a church that fights for souls. That we fight in prayer for souls. In Jesus' name, amen. You can, you can go that way. Let's give him a hand. Go. Just follow that lady right there. Amen. Amen. 